Since the earliest days of video games, players and developers alike have argued over the most important aspect of the gaming experience. From the plot to the characters to the precise way graphics splash across the screen, video game creators have mastered the art of gameplay. Whether it's figuring out how to make a despised video game genre irresistible, like breakthrough game Genshin Impact, or orchestrating the perfect sound that tells a compelling story about the game as a whole, like the sound composers of Marvel's Avengers managed to do. A look behind the gaming curtain unravels the complex science of developing games, and reveals how, in the end, there's making games, and then there's making money, which is the real music to developers' ears. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. In our first story, the composer of Marvel's Avengers describes how music designers create a unique sound for each video game. With music able to subtly influence a player's very mood, sound design has emerged as a critical aspect of gaming development. Our second story looks at how free-to-play role-playing game Genshin Impact made over $100 million in less than two weeks after launching. While the game remains free, its meteoric success goes to show how much money gotcha games can really make in a competitive gaming space. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, the composer of Marvel's Avengers walks Inverse through the crucial relationship between video games and its sound. That music and all the emotions that go along with it, the anticipation, inspiration, and sense of duty bestowed upon you to save the world, no accident. This specific track from the game Marvel's Avengers is equal parts epic and heroic. Creating just the right sound for a superhero adventure presents a unique challenge to writers and composers alike. When composing the music for Crystal Dynamics' Marvel's Avengers game, composer and industry veteran Bobby Jahori characterized it this way for Inverse. It would have to be epic, but also grounded in reality. Superheroes are, they're, they're both amazing and flawed, so I kind of had to find that balance between superhero and human. I mean, the music is very emotional. It's epic, bombastic, but grounded with more intimate moments in the score. But how do you let each character shine while telling a compelling story about the team as a whole? In creating specific sound, one that scales into larger compositions, Marvel's Avengers audio team developed a unique sound for each hero. From how Tony Stark's 80s rock sound influences the game's music whenever Iron Man flies onto the scene, to Captain America's sound, embracing a heroic Americana vibe. The score, like the game's story, shifts from epic to personal on the fly. Thor, the otherworldly god of thunder, demanded the most unconventional approach to composition. That sound of big metallic anvils striking when Thor shows up? That's Tahori smashing scrap metal with a hammer. There is more science to the sound and methods to the madness when it comes to the latest Marvel game. 
Associate Gaming Editor at Inverse, Corey Plant, knows all about it and joins us right now. Hey, Corey, welcome to the podcast. First time. Hey, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So I'm interested to learn more about the general process that goes into creating the sound we hear in the games we play. First off, in covering this, what's your sense of where a composer would even start, particularly when you consider the very specific sound of a superhero game? Yeah, so particularly for uh, Marvel's Avengers, the production team over at Crystal Dynamics, what the sound director actually did was he started developing playlists that the entire team could kind of reference along with the ethos of, well, what would this character actually listen to? In Marvel's Avengers, you got Tony Stark, who likes a lot of kind of bombastic classic rock for the hulk aka bruce banner they took a bit of an unorthodox approach of thinking well if the hulk is full of a lot of rage then maybe bruce banner would kind of use a lot of baroque classical music as a calming mechanism so these kind of core ideas that are referenced in internal playlists over at the uh, developer uh, they kind of use those as a source of inspiration for developing the unique sounds and the motifs that you hear throughout the video game so like whenever the hulk is kind of chilling out and simmering down and becoming Bruce Banner you might hear these like little wispy tunes of like classical music that are have this like kind of calming effect whereas when the Hulk is in full-on rage mode you're gonna hear a lot of uh, really loud drums and kind of almost like a tribal kind of angry sound What's cool is learning about some of the more unconventional approaches to creating sound, Thor in particular. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, because that's where things got a little interesting. Yeah, so Bobby Tahori, he told me that when he was developing this motif sound for Thor, he actually went to a scrapyard and found random pieces of scrap metal. And yes, there's a lot of like bashing that metal uh, with a, a, an anvil style hammer, which is similar to like what Thor wields in the game. Uh, but kind of the coolest little bit that he told me was that he actually played the scrap metal with a cello bow so that usually has uh like horse hair that's kind of uh, lubricated with uh almost like a type of wax uh but so you can technically run it across any other stringed instrument or a random piece of scrap metal and you get this kind of otherworldly twang uh, so he kind of incorporated that into the composition for like the musical motifs that you hear whenever like Thor's on screen and he's uh, fighting someone with Mjolnir or like just smashing something uh, in battle. So that was like one of the really cool little tidbits I learned to the interview. That's um, that's something that I think uh, you can't not listen for now. Yeah. <laughs> Another aspect that was really interesting to me was how composing music for gaming differs from, say, cinematic music. What were you able to learn about what goes into creating the sounds with that in mind? How might a composer shift gears? What might they be thinking about? And and what kinds of things come into play that that make things different? Yeah, that's a great question. So in uh, something like Marvel's Avengers, it's a lot of exploring environments. And then uh, depending on how quickly the the player character is going to move around, uh, you're definitely going to enter battles. So there has to be this kind of interesting behind the scenes audio mixing and sequencing in how uh, these things like transition in and out of like battle music, which is definitely going to be a little bit more raucous, bombastic, active, and uh, what Bobby referred to as like traversal of like you're just casually swinging through a jungle as Kamala Khan or something like that. So when they're actually composing, they have to really kind of break up all of the tracks and produce 
a number of what's called stems. So that's going to be the same music in different formats, whether that's like long strings, short strings, different kinds of brass or like staccato or longer notes. So it'll be essentially the same music, but the audio mixers can kind of uh, shuffle things around and sequence in all of these transitions so that based on like an input cue from the player, things can kind of shuffle on the fly uh, to reflect like what's actually going on in game. It just speaks to how much thought really goes into this that one might not really appreciate, you know. And the superhero genre in particular, it calls for even more nuance, it seems. And I liked your quote in the piece about having to find the right balance between super and human, right? The idea that the story and score shifts from epic to personal on the fly, you know, how that comes into play. What are some characters or maybe instances in gaming that you think best exemplify this type of nuanced balance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think particularly in this game, it's much more of this kind of very humane narrative that's rooted in characters like Rise and Fall. It actually starts out when the Avengers are at their peak, and then there's this catastrophic event that is sort of their fault, and that leads to kind of like superheroes being banned and the Avengers disband. And then five years later, they're all kind of like retired and in hiding. And um, there's a bunch of new superhumans that are created, one of them being Kamala Khan, who at the start of the game, she's just this teenage super fan who actually wins like a fan fiction writing contest about the Avengers. So it's this kind of redemptive arc of Kamala being this uh, very human character who's just now developing these superpowers. And she goes on this adventure when a new global threat arises to kind of reunite the Avengers and kind of reinstill in them a sense of like hope and heroism. So we're seeing all these characters at like a very human level, not just as like superheroes. Uh, so Bobby talked to me a lot about about how um, important it was to establish a sense of humanity with all of these superhuman characters. And you can really sense that when you're playing the game, kind of the, I guess, the, the delicate, nuanced nature of the music really reflects that. Listeners can head to Inverse.com for more of Corey's coverage. Thanks so much, Corey. This was really cool looking to what's uh, going on behind the scenes. Yeah, thanks so much. Genshin Impact, the expansive open-world adventure game on PS4, PC, and mobile from Chinese developer MiHoYo, owes much of its smash success to the gotcha system, random chance draws for real-world money. But does this free-to-play game actually come at no cost? Up now, how Genshin Impact became the Game of the Year contender no one ever saw coming. So Genshin Impact came out. Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact. Set in a fantasy world full of gods and magic. A free-to-play open-world RPG. I downloaded it as soon as I could because... You unlock a variety of characters. Chests to open, defeat bosses, puzzles to solve, enemies to take down, dungeons to tackle, get that loot, and relentless bosses to fight. Free-to-play action RPG. Also, it's free, so it's like, why not? But while it succeeds admirably for the most part... When it comes to free games, awesome enough to let it stand on its own two feet. This is Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact is a free-to-play, multi-platform, 3D action role-playing game developed and published by Chinese company MiHoYo. Downloaded 17 million times in just four days after its launch, the game grossed over $100 million in less than two weeks. Its seemingly out-of-nowhere success has been attributed to a variety of factors. Other than being free-to-play, it's also available on multiple platforms, 
In addition to mobile, Genshin Impact was released on PlayStation 4 and PC, allowing for a variety of players to join in. It's also engaging, with many gamers and reviewers comparing it to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. However, a large part of its success is driven by its gotcha system, where real-world money is used to buy random rewards that can help players advance in the game. Often criticized for too closely resembling gambling, it's a business model named after Chinese vending machines that dispense random toys and plastic capsules. However, Genshin Impact's unique spin on gacha games don't bombard players with ads to spend more money. Instead, it just figured out how to bake the system into a well-made RPG, which may just be the key ingredient to the game's success. Here to talk more about how Genshin Impact became the game of the year contender you never saw coming, associate entertainment editor at Inverse, Jen Glennon. Hey, Jen. Hey, Tanya, how you doing? Pretty good. Um, so last time we talked about The Last of Us Part Two, it was a game that everyone expected to make this big splash. But here we have a game that seems to have come out of nowhere and also managed to become insanely popular. First, why do you think this game managed to hook in so many people the way it has? I think it's actually a very good game. Most mobile games have kind of a reputation for being low effort cash grabs. Not all of them, but many of them. This really isn't that. It's a very high quality game, the sort of thing that you would easily see publishers charging $60 for, and it's free and it's completely impossible to enjoy it without paying a dime. Which seems highly unlikely in this day and age, but it does incorporate something called a gotcha system. This is a monetization scheme commonly found in free-to-play mobile games, right? How does this system generally work? A gacha is a, a kind of portmanteau of the Japanese word gachapon. It's like a vending machine, like a capsule vending machine. So you put in some money and then you get a prize and you know you know, roughly the category of prize, but you don't know which one you're going to get. They do a lot of little like action figures and that sort of thing. So that's sort of the monetization model where you pay a certain amount of in-game currency that can be purchased either with real world money or through doing achievements and missions in the game. And then you can spend those on what are called wishes to get new characters and, and new weapons and that sort of thing. And it's a monetization model that has been criticized for making mobile games pay to win, but Genshin Impact's use of this system managed to bypass the usual problems. How did it go about pulling that off? I think it, they've managed to make the game like very narratively immersive, but also the gameplay itself is very rich. You can have, I think right now there are something like 23 characters, but the ones that you get for free are also very usable. It kind of rewards players for investing time in the game just as much as it rewards like putting money into the game. So I think like it actually having a compelling gameplay loop and appealing to people who enjoy games instead of just like collectors really, really makes a lot of the difference. It's a really, really large story. It has a lot, shows a lot of influence of Breath of the Wild, but not in a bad way. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna knock off a game, that's a great one to do because it's, it's very fun and people love it. There's tons of exploration. There's just, just a lot you can do in it, much more than a normal mobile game. So if developers can continue to create games like this, that ones that generate this level of interest, do you see this type of game inspiring changes to how game developers approach monetization down the road? Could there be something to this? 
Yeah, I mean, the way that something like Genshin Impact works is it's not, you don't have the full story of the game yet. It's very much kind of like a fantasy role-playing thing where you're meeting different people, exploring a big world, going on quests. I think there are seven regions planned for the full game, and right now there are only two. Even so, there's probably about 20 to 30 hours of content just there alone. So as time goes on, I think November 11th is the first big update where we'll see more regions added to the map. The world will continue to expand. So I think it's very possible that AAA developers will look to this model as like, oh, if we do a rolling release instead of just work on a game for five years and then put it out and hope, you know, hope for big sales for a couple of months, it's definitely an enticing option for them. And again, at a time when developers are paving the way for $70 games, it still feels like a too-good-to-be-true type deal here to think that a game that's actually good and fun could really be free. So I have to ask, did you come across any instances where you felt a limitation in some way or any last things to think about with regards to the game as a whole? The way that uh, the game works Although you do not have to spend money, it, it is attractive. You know, they introduce you to these new characters who have like cool abilities and you get a little, you get a little taste. You get to play as them for a little while. And then if you want to have them on your roster the whole time, you have to take your luck with the gotcha system. So in that sense, it's tempting. Like I wouldn't necessarily recommend this for younger players, particularly People, you know, kids who are playing on mobile phones that are linked to their parents' credit card accounts, that's probably bad news. And I think anyone who has kind of issues around temptation or gambling might want to steer clear of this one. But it is, it is a very, very fun game, and I've actually been pleasantly surprised at how little it kind of forces you to take part in that system to progress. You can read Jen's full review at inverse.com, where there's also a lot more Genshin Impact coverage. Thanks so much, Jen. Thanks, Tanya. Head to inverse.com for more coverage on all things gaming. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Got something to say? Email us at theabstract at inverse.com with any questions, suggestions, story ideas, and anything else on your mind. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.